Who's this? Oh, you're an entrepreneur? Oh, you're a real estate investor. Oh, you're trying to learn from those who did it. Well, come into the lab then. Put your white coat on, gloves on, notepad, and let's build y'all. Experimentation, this message is for you if you are a short-term rental host. Pay attention closely, because if you recall, we had an individual by the name of Mark Simpson step into our lab and tell us the importance of building a short-term rental business where your clients and future guests are booking with you directly, not solely depending on OTAs such as Airbnb, VRBO, Expedia.com, the list goes on and on. And his reasoning behind it is that you want to leverage these OTAs and not be solely dependent on them so that you can actually build your business that you are in control of. Extremely important for you to do this, for you to be in control of your business and grow and scale it properly. Now, I did read the book from beginning to end and the announcement is that he has launched a book called the Book Direct Playbook, which launches this February 2022. You want to make sure you get your hands on this book because I certainly did from beginning to end and I got more than just about OTA. He gave the foundation of true marketing, which is a specialty that he does because he is the founder of Boostly who helped, who has helped numerous hosts over and over build very credible websites that allow the guests to book with you directly. Now, I want to highlight something. It's very important that you understand that Mark is not saying to not use OTAs. He's saying to leverage them to then be in control to build your own business. And he actually gives a very key gold template on how to actually create an incentive for your hosts or, or your guests, I should say, to stay with you as a host by booking with you directly. There is a strategic way to do this and he does cover this in his book. You want to make sure that you get his book at the link below. You see right here, boostly.co.uk forward slash book. In this book, it will give you the foundation, marketing foundations, a, a, a key guide to guide and at the same time every chapter has the instructions sections that gives you a guidelines on what the next call to action what the next step is you need to refer to it the exact same way you would refer to any book you have in the lab as a practitioner who's going to take action to take control of your short-term rental business again that is boostly.co.uk forward slash book that's boostly.co.uk forward slash book Make sure you get your hands on this book. You will not be disappointed. Real Estate Experiment, what is happening, y'all? Today, I have the pleasure of having Steven Pesavento. Did I get that right? Pesavento? Am I you stressing got it. <laughs> Pesavento. Did I, is that better? Yeah, Steven Pesavento. You got it. My man. So it's a pleasure to have you in the lab today. Uh, I just want to thank you because I know we originally connected offline and it's just always good to see you you know come when i have individuals who come into my lab and i see it come full circle especially in our space it's just it happens more often so i want to give you the introduction that you deserve because last time we connected i know that you're doing a lot of things in the space and and one is actually you're, you're a practitioner of course but you also have a a podcast called the investor mindset and uh which is right on cue with our brand because we talk about the mind behind the experiments and the mindset that you have to have, the systems that you have to have. But with that said, you're also a practitioner and you've been able to implement this boots on the ground. And I just want to highlight a little bit of what you've done here, because I think it's a point before we kind of get right into it. I mean, 
it's very interesting. You and I were talking offline, uh, offline about your background in some consulting that you then tra- from tech, then you transition into real estate, which has led to over 200 transactions. I mean, right now you, you went over a hundred houses, transacted over 26 million. You know, you're a partner of Vonvinch Capital and you're doing some amazing things as well online. Uh, and, and I know you and I talked about you want to transition and, and, and take some of that into the coaching side, uh, which you're already doing. So, I mean, there's so much to unpack there, but I, I, first of all, I want to in, in, invite you and welcome you to the lab as a true practitioner. You got your white coat on wearing a lab here if you guys are listening. And I'm excited to have you here, man. What's going on? Ruben, excited to be here. Love what you've been able to put together with the great audience here and really excited to be able to dive in. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be one of two things. I either want to be a chef like Emeril Lagasse or I wanted to renovate property like Bob Vila. And, uh, you know, all that HGTV finally paid off when I left the management consulting world, when I left the tech world behind and I went all in in real estate and real estate is just a business. You know, you're just buying an asset. You're going to operate that asset and you're going to make profits and losses off of that. And it's been a phenomenal, phenomenal business. But I think the thing that really gets me fired up the most you alluded to is the work that we do with the investor mindset right? We dive into lessons learned from some of the most successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders and, and investors in the world uh, every single week. And we've been doing it for years, hundreds and hundreds of episodes. And what I love about that, what really fires me up is just the power that we can bring to impact and inspire other people, bringing these lessons, these ideas, how can we really change our thoughts and beliefs? Because at the core, mindset is simply your thoughts and beliefs that end up leading to the actions you take and therefore the outcomes you experience. And what's so powerful about that is that when you realize that mindset itself is just the operating system, and when you can change that code, you actually start having a different result. And for me, I ended up having, you know, growing up in a pretty rough and tumble household, maybe other people can relate, pretty working class, definitely blue collar. But by being able to get around other people, listen to podcasts, listen to audio programs, listen to tapes back in the day and go to events, be able to really upgrade the way that I think. And that's why I'm on a mission to be out here sharing some of those beliefs on growing your business, getting invested so that you can actually start having some of that freedom that we all dream about when we decide to go into entrepreneurship. Appreciate that. That's such a good recap. And and I want to highlight what you said for a second, because you talked about operating system and I'm a believer. The reason I do this, you know, a guy like you, you're in a space, you're, you know, practitioner, you've had your successes and some, you know, challenges I'm sure along the way, which we'll talk about. Uh, But I look at our, our operating system or our brains our minds like a, like a software that you got to, you know, you got to update, right? You got to update it every single day because things are changing, moving pretty quickly. And if you know anything well, about update, yeah, go ahead. No, go, please, please continue. And, and with that update, right, as we're, you know, rewiring our software, even, uh, you mentioned a lot of things that I want to highlight. You know, you talked about books, you talked about, you know, podcasts, a show like this. Um, and, and, but I want to highlight something uh, Stephen, if you don't mind, it, I think it's important as we get a lot of inputs these days, right? And you have to, you know, in, in a software, there's input and then there's output, right? And hopefully there's a lot more output than input because we can input a lot of information, get a lot of stimulants, we can get a lot of podcasts and get a lot of books, we could get a lot of that. And what sometimes I try to figure out was like, what was the input for you, the source that led to an action, to an output? Because I, I know there was a transition at some point, and I'm curious just to see 
if it was an accumulative event or if it was that there was this one thing you're like, hmm, I think right there, this is going to make me shift into this space. What was that for you? Yeah, well, there's so many of them. If I go back to one of my earliest memories of this, it was actually, I remember walking into the kitchen and uh, I saw my dad crying and money had always been one of those super painful topics. It was one of those topics that everything was about limits and we don't have enough. Don't ask for it. Go ask your dad for it. Go ask your mom for it. I already pay for it. We can't afford it. All of these different thoughts and beliefs that were been installed from a very early age. You know, our parents were doing the very best they could, but to be honest, the kind of beliefs that they were installing into our brains were not very helpful. And I remember when I walked in and I saw that and I was 15 years old and I'd seen this my entire life, but I had finally been at the point where I was like, this is enough. I'm going to find a way. I'd already been working for years, making a little bit of cash money on the side and you know, paying my way for a lot of things, even as a young, young kid. But I remember specifically walking out of the kitchen, not being able to handle that feeling, that emotion that he was going through, that he was experiencing just because it was more stress and more pain. And I went out to go find any way that I could make money. You know, I was hustling. I was buying and selling stuff online, buying paintball gear on one form, selling it on eBay, buying stuff on Craigslist, drop shipping back and forth, doing anything I could make a buck. Heck, at one point I was even selling booze out of my trunk you know, buying from Costco at discount and selling at a markup based on what the local liquor store was selling it for. And, you know, I'm not proud of all the ways I went to go make a buck, but the big thing that I learned was that it's possible that when you're in survival mode, you can do anything, anything is possible, but it's really important to get aligned with those values. Cause at the, at that point in time, my value that was important to me was make money, not have to deal with that pain. So I was willing to do anything right. But as you grow up, as you go to that next level, and as some of you guys are building entrepreneurial businesses, you're going to get past that struggle phase. You're going to get past that phase where you're just trying to prove to yourself that you can do it. And that's where it really gets tough because what got you here is not going to be what gets you to that next level. And so I can remember a very big lesson learned going from this feeling of not being enough needing to prove to other people, prove to myself that I could do this, that I could be an entrepreneur, that I could make money on my own. And that's a really big driver, especially if you're a go-getter. But it was actually after making hundreds of thousands, being successful, making millions of dollars in revenue in our business, that I had to shift that belief to, hey, well, how can I build something that's bigger than me? How can I build something that is uh, beyond just myself so that I had some other bigger motivation. I could let go of that chip on my shoulder that used to drive me. And I don't know, Ruben, if you can relate to that, but I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and they had that drive and that same drive that got them to one level of success is exactly what holds them back from getting to that next level. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Steve, because you know, I, it's, um, I, I, it's interesting, this thing, this drive, and I, I know that you mentioned your dad and you, you kind of remember that. And I have similar conversations or at least uh, the kind of conversation that happened within our household was very similar to the, you know, we don't have enough, it's the trend. And I think there's two ways I, I, cause it's interesting, right? Like there's, there's four of us in the household, right? As far as siblings go and, you know, it's kind of the same environment, but we all react to it very differently. And mm -hmm. I know there's no, 
I don't know if there is a nature and nurture. I think that's a whole, we can go down the whole rabbit hole, but the reason why I have this podcast is to, to handle what you can control. And, and that's the nurture, right? Because, you know, when you're in that environment and this is what you're hearing, you, you had two options, right? You either kind of go with the, you know, believe in it, or you kind of go in the other direction and say, no, 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 it's, it's, I, this is in it. Right. And, and so what I'm curious about is you mentioned a journey that, you know, I'm very familiar with, uh, I've done drop shipping, I've done uh, a lot of different business models, or even experiments, as I would call it in the lab. And I'm curious as to what do you think, Steve, that it's necessary to do multiple experiments as you've done as what we call in our lab experiments, or in hindsight 2020, you say, no, I should have done this instead. And I'm not so much talking about the, 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 um, well, yeah, maybe I am talking, maybe I am talking a little bit about volume versus being strategic. Like, is there something you look back on now that you're like, maybe I should have done this, or do you actually think that the volume was beneficial in your case? This is such, this is such an important question, right? It's all about discovery. I do, I do want to touch on something that you said, right? When I'm talking about, you know, painful experience as a, as a young person, there's, there's plenty of those painful stories and we all have them. But that difference between nurture versus nature and the difference that I really see in very successful investors and entrepreneurs is that they see challenges as opportunities, right? And I've got these five success principles. I'll share a little link about how you guys can get access to all of them because I don't think we'll cover all of them today. But one of them is that investors and successful entrepreneurs, they, they look at those challenges in their lives as opportunities. And to me, that challenge of growing up with not enough growing up with limiting beliefs, growing up in that environment was actually beautiful. It was a beautiful opportunity to cut me into the hard piece of stone uh, that I needed to be to go out into the world and do what I needed to do, right? That doesn't mean at the core, there wasn't this big heart. That doesn't mean at the core, there wasn't all these other great things, but I had to grow up. I had to learn, right? And so that was a beautiful opportunity that allowed me to have a whole nother level of motivation. Now, my siblings, I also, uh, oldest of four, they each in their own way have a totally different view of life. For me, it was no way in how I was going to be poor. There's no way that I'm not going to do something that I love. There's no way that I'm not going to make money doing it. That doesn't mean at all points during my life, I've been well off or wealthy, but I just would never let that standard happen. And so that was one of those challenges, becoming an opportunity, being a big motivator. And it's so true throughout almost every part of your business, because the profit is in the problems. So great problems equals great profit. And we really want to be able to go and look for that in the world and, you know, just from a real estate perspective, just to give a little bit of my world, you know, at Von Finch Capital, we go out and buy large institutional multifamily deals. Those are two, 300 unit apartment buildings, probably the same kind of places that you've stayed in, or maybe you're living in, or, or somebody's, you know, uh, has some friends that are living in, whatever that might be. Well, we want to find those properties that are problematic, that are ugly, that are beaten down, that are torn up. Because that means that we get to come in and add value. We get to improve that. And that ends up leading to profit. So I just think the biggest challenges in your life actually are opportunities. There's a phenomenal book that I recommend. I listen to it two, maybe even three times a year from Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way. And this book is really at the center uh, of the idea of challenges are opportunities. It's really saying, go towards the obstacle because that's where you're going to grow. And so just to kind of build on that, to answer your original question, 
answer your original question, do I think, uh, you know, going down and having multiple different paths is the right way? Well, the truth is that I think having ultra focus is one of the other five success principles that I noticed the most successful investors and entrepreneurs they all have. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that they only do one thing and they never, ever, 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 ever try to do another thing. No, that's not what it means. What it does mean is that while they're doing that one thing, that's the only thing they're thinking about. Other ideas might pop up, but they continuously say no. And you say, Stephen, well, hey, I know a ton of entrepreneurs and successful people who have multiple income streams and multiple businesses. But the truth is they didn't get multiple businesses or multiple income streams until they had one successful one, right? And so what I recommend, I, I do recommend going and trying a bunch of different things, as you put it, doing experiments, because you're not going to be able to know yourself well enough until you've had some experience in the world. And having that self, uh, having that self connection to who you are and being able to identify what you are the best at, what you like, what you don't like, is exactly what early in your career should be all about. And so constantly try different projects. That's what was great about management consulting. That's what's great about being a young person in the workforce you get to go and work in different companies and different organizations and try things. And through that process, you see what you like and what you don't like. And a perfect example of that is I built a house flipping company that was, you know, we flipped 75 houses a year. We flipped over 200 houses, all out of state, all remote, and over a million dollars of revenue a year, starting from year one. I had no experience in the business. I'm not saying that to brag, just to say what's possible. But after building that business, that was a dream. I realized I had built a business to answer a question that was different than my real goals and intent. And so I dismantled that and went down another path. But it took three, four years of working on that project to really know at the core that I was out of alignment. And so the more often that we can get clear on what you want and why you want it, the more often you can check in and see if you're truly in alignment with that. And the more often that you can make small little changes on your path towards where you actually want to be instead of needing to make big ones. So a lot there to unpack, but I'll pass it back to you, Ruben. No, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting too. It's funny that you said Ryan holiday, cause that's definitely a key, key plug right there. Um, we'll be right back. It's so, it's so interesting what you're saying. Cause, and this is, I think why this is so tough. And this is why I want to kind of peel back the curtains a little bit, because, you know, on one end it's, it's test a lot, which I always say, experiment, 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 broad. That's, we believe in the hourglass model. You go broad, then go niche or very, very focused. Then ironically enough, then you can kind of grow broad again, because to your point, you have the means, you have the resources, or you even have what I love the most as experiment nation knows, and that is vertical integration, right? Mm -hmm. So once you have that, everything kind of feeds one another, but then you said something interesting that kind of almost challenges that in itself is, you know, and, and maybe I'd like to call it kind of like progressive experiments, because once you go down that path of even being focused, you might discover some areas where you're, hey, you know what, maybe this isn't it, you know, deep down inside, but you have to plant deep roots to your point to even discover that. And, and the reason I'm highlighting this is, is someone might be listening. They might think that, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm just pivoting. I'm, I'm just deciding that too fast and we're not going deep enough. And I think it's hard to honestly tell the two apart from a distance. And I think that that is the challenge, I think, with, with uh, you know, when we talk about, you know, when, when should I, 
you know, pivot, use the word pivot or decide that this is not right. I don't know if you have any additional thoughts on that. Cause I know you've, you know, you've worked with a lot you, of uh, high level individuals. You know, I, I, I have fortunately at Von Finch capital, you know, it's full of high net worth, high income individuals. People are making great money in their business or in their career. And they invest in these private real estate deals, co-owning them while we manage and they invest. But then let alone in my coaching business, I'm a high performance coach for very high level executives, people who are already operating at the top of their field. And they're looking for that little one or two or 3% little bump that makes millions more in their business. And what I have noticed from research and what I have found from my own experience is that the key piece of this process is that like a true experiment, we have to have a hypothesis going in of what we expect is going to happen. And then we have to actually run the full test. What a mm. lot of people do is they say to themselves, I'm going to go and try this thing. Keyword, try, hate that word. They're going to go try this thing and then they try it and they only got a little taste of it, but they didn't really run a full experiment. Rather, if you go to yourself and you say, hey, you know what? I really think that I want to start investing in real estate. I think that I want to be active operator because I want to be in control of every single little thing. And I want to make this my business. Now you might say, Hey, I'm going to go do that. And my test is I'm going to go buy a single family rental property and I'm going to manage it. I'm going to be responsible for it. I'm going to learn about how to do that. I'm going to make some mistakes along the way, but I'm going to do this experiment and I'm going to do it for one year. I'm going to see what the result is after one year. Well, if you quit one month into it after looking at two properties, then you haven't really run the experiment. Now, maybe you did get some good information. Maybe the information you got was, you know what? I actually don't have the time to do this I, or I'm not willing to prioritize the time. Maybe the information you got was, you know, what? I actually don't know what the heck I'm doing. I don't feel confident uh, that I'm the right person to be doing this. Or maybe you realize uh, that you bought a property and it was a huge failure because you're really a great salesperson, but you're not a great real estate operator. Now, any of those things you exited before the experiment was over. So there's a few in there where maybe you just wanted to dip your toe in, you wanted to get a little taste of it, and you realize, nope, this is not the good fit. But if you commit to the experiment and you've already gone far enough in to know that this is the direction I want to go, you need to follow it all the way through. That way on the other side, you have new information that you can go out to because then maybe you realize like, oh, I love this. I love being in control. I love it when the property manager calls me and you know, wants me to be the one to make the decision. I like being in that position. Now, many other people, they hate it and they end up coming to firms like ours or you know, many others out there where they'll invest their money and they're 100% hands off. But the key here is they were intentional about what they were looking for at the beginning. They went and they uh, put in the time and then they reassessed at the end and decided, hey, is this actually the direction I want to keep going? Oof, my goodness, drop the mic, man. This is this, you, you couldn't have said it any better. Like that, that was really well summarized, man, because, and you actually helped me say it because I was struggling to actually bring that one home for Experiment Nation. You nailed it on the head because to your point in the lab, you can't just start with the, the, the intro and not come up with the conclusion. And what you were talking mm. about is data. Do you have, did mm. you execute the experiment mm. so that you're collecting data? And what does that data tell you? And that data, mm -hmm. you should be able to reflect on it with respect to 
your intention, which I love that with your intention, with your core values, is it in alignment? Does this data align? That data could be whatever data point you're looking for. It could be a certain amount of money. It could be a certain amount of milestone. It could be a specific feeling that you're looking for. And that is why it's so important to be in tuned with what it is that you're looking for, or maybe in being open-minded to what you're going to discover when the data comes on the other side. And the only way that the data can come on the other side is to your point, Stephen, is when you execute from beginning beginning to end and i and you know what's really cool about that steve people like you right now we're in a lab there's no excuse because we know we can't say that we don't know what executing i don't know when it's over no you know what you know when you're you're, let's say when you're and this is a great transition and segue into how you evaluate deals there's this there's so much information and data out there on how to evaluate a deal from beginning to end and if you follow that procedure and you do it what data point do you get right um, I love that. You were going to add something, Steve. Well, I think the other thing too is like, even while I laid out the example experiment, just by laying that out, I've already, I've already found a few errors in it, right? Depending on where you were at in that trial, committing to a year might be too long. Maybe you need to run a two week experiment. You need to go read everything that's available online. You need to listen to a hundred episodes of the investor mindset podcast. You need to go make 15 offers on the MLS that's your experiment. That's small enough that you're going to get data to say, Hey, do I actually like the activity that goes into this? Or am I willing to stay through whatever difficult time? So just by setting up with intention, you're going to discover a better way to be able to shorten that time frame so that you can make that decision much quicker with that intentionality going into it by saying, Hey, I'm going to make 15 offers in the next two weeks on new properties. At the end of that, you don't feel like a failure if you decide to go another direction. But if you commit to something all out and you tell all your friends, you're going to be a real estate investor and build this business and you go two weeks in and you quit, well, you've committed to something before you actually had the information to know that it was the right direction. So just wanted to add that because I think it'll be valuable for people to have in context. Yeah. And and when you said that, actually, uh, I promise I'm going to bring this home, brother. You said something that really resonated with me as well as sometimes the, the destination or the, the, the destination that we have for what we think it, it takes to get there is, is actually a series of experiments that need to happen. It's a compounding mm. effect, right? Mm. Which then makes you realize that sometimes we're shooting for a result that takes 10 experiments to, to, to get to, but we haven't calculated, we haven't gathered the right procedures to execute that experiment that we think we're going to get there with one successful experiment. So that's actually also important to realize because because you might you may execute from beginning to end, but you may also have a missed target. And I think people like you uh, and, and, and folks who come into the lab who have had success can kind of you can reverse engineer and realize that this is a process, right? This is this, you know, overnight success is that's what you see on the front end, but on the back end, there's multiple experiments. And now this is my segue to your, to the next point here is you mentioned, and I love how you said this, it's the, the, op, the challenge is an opportunity. So there's going to be challenges along the way. There's going to be some nights where you can't figure out that problem that you cannot get the experiment, right? You're getting the wrong result. And you've, you said something very interesting. You said that you see those challenges as opportunities. So as a segue, into what you're doing with, with Von Vinch Capital. Uh, I'm curious, you said you're, you're looking for value add, you know, an opportunity. Um, 
with respect to where we're on the marketplace right now, I just want to give uh, folks some context because obviously we've heard investors come in here and talk about, I think uh, Experiment Nation has a good idea, has a, a good insight on investing. But for you specifically, when it comes to your, um, to your, uh, to your strategy, what kind of asset classes are you looking at just to give some context? You know, are we talking class C here? You know, what, what are you doing? Are you managing? Are you also acquiring? Like, give us a little bit of, of a background for our listeners who may not be familiar with what Von Vinch Capital does, because I think you touched on it, but I, I'd love for you to bring that home. For sure. Well, as we're talking back about challenges being opportunities, I want to give listeners an opportunity to learn more, to dive deeper into these philosophies and to grab a copy of the five success principles to live with the investor mindset. And you can grab these five success principles at investormindset.com slash success. That's investormindset.com slash success. And I'm sure you'll put those in the show notes for folks. So a little bit about what Von Von Finch Capital does is Von Finch Capital, we're a private equity real estate firm. And at the core, what we do is we make it very easy for everyday investors to get involved owning real estate and getting all the benefits of owning and investing real estate without being responsible for any of the day-to-day. So essentially, the way that it works is you invest and we handle all of the rest. And so what that means is we essentially go out, we source very large properties through our network, buying two, 300 unit apartment buildings. We're buying in multiple different asset uh, classes within the multifamily sector. And what we do is we go out and we find these opportunities. We put together the teams on the ground locally in each of the markets that we work in from Denver to Dallas, to Jacksonville, to Phoenix, to Atlanta, and to some other submarkets in between. And we actually go and purchase this property and we run it just like any business. That's one of the cool things about multifamily and really commercial real estate is that what we're essentially buying is a business, but we're able to put uh, real estate debt on it. And so the entire business plan is to raise rents or decrease expenses, right? How can we increase income on the property? And when we increase income, then we increase the valuation because the value is just a denomination of that net operating income for all you business people out there. So what's really cool about this is we've got the experience in the market. We've got those connections. We've got the team. We understand what we're looking at. And then typically investors receive 60 to 80% of the profit, meaning we make our money based on investing some of our own funds, but we really make majority of our money based on success. And so what's really cool about that is even in a very competitive market, right now we're going into 2022, it's very competitive. There's a lot of inflation going on, which means there's a lot of money looking for in uh, assets to hedge against inflation. Real estate is a perfect place to do that because you hedge against inflation, plus you get some amazing tax benefits. So we go out and we find these properties and we negotiate and we understand what we're looking at so that we can really find that diamond in the rough that's going to end up leading to the best returns that are the most secure. Because typically what's cool about this space is when you look at the stock market over any 10 year period, you know, typically you're looking at, you know, about seven to 8% average return. You might be able to get up to 11 or 12 if you hit it just within the right 10 year window, but usually there's a big dip. Well, real estate usually has much higher returns. And especially when you're investing in assets like we do, they've got good returns because we're going in, we're actually forcing that value 
increase. And so that's essentially what we do. And, you know, we do that in multiple markets and we like newer properties because they're easier to manage. We like older properties because there's more problems, which means more profit. And so it's just about blending these different pieces. And typically, um, you know, we're working with, you know, high income earners or high net worth individuals, people have 50, a hundred thousand or a million dollars to write a check. And then they co-own that property with us. And, and Stephen, uh, just so we're clear, um, are you guys doing it on an individual uh, 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 property basis or you're doing it like on a fund model? Yeah, we think funds are phenomenal because they allow investors to have diversification. But a lot of the deals that we do are individual syndications, meaning people have the ability to choose that individual asset and they can put it in their investment portfolio like a little trophy hey, I own a piece of this 300 unit apartment building. So it depends. What we've found is that some of our investors love funds because they know, like, and trust us. They like the philosophy and they let us go and manage it. And we, of course, make our profit on uh, success. And then some people like choosing those individual things. That goes back to that, uh, one of those points I was making where it's really important to know what you want and why you want it. Because when you get clear on what you want, it can be that much easier to understand, is this the right fit for me? Do I want to invest in this diversified pool or do I want to invest in this individual property? Absolutely, absolutely. And so it sounds like you you guys actually offer both. I just want to make that clear for our audience of funds and uh, individual syndications per property, right? Yep, exactly. That's super neat. Uh, real quick, uh, so Stephen, I'm curious, um, you mentioned tax managers. I want to go there because we talk about systems, et cetera. Uh, you know, do you guys use, uh, you know, strategies like the you know, cost segregation studies and, and uh, tax advantages strategies as such for your investors? Yeah. I mean, everyone's always looking for new ways to pay mm-hmm. less in taxes. And yeah. that's one of the beautiful things about real estate is that, you know, even as a passive investor, you're able to essentially write off all or majority of the passive income that you receive while you own that property. So, you know, the mechanics of it is we buy a property, we do a cost segregation, which just really means there's all these different pieces within a building from the carpets to the toilets, to the mirrors, to the walls, to the paint, to everything in between that all is depreciated at a different schedule. Some are on five years, some are on 10 years, some are over a 27 and a half year window. So we go through a process where we actually determine all of those little individual details. And then we take that depreciation accelerated, which means we actually take it all up front. And so during that whole hold period, for most people, they're able to defer or completely eliminate any kind of taxable income as long as they use the strategy in the right way. So it's phenomenal on that benefit. And then for people who are active investors or who are active real estate professionals, maybe you're a real estate agent, maybe you own a brokerage, maybe you are an active real estate investor flipping houses. When you invest into the kind of deals we do, you're actually able to wipe out or uh, you know, essentially defer or eliminate majority of your active income as well. So it really depends on your specific situation. That's why it's always important to talk to a CPA, but there's so many advantages that come along with investing in real estate that it's one of the reasons the wealthiest people hold at least 25 to 30% of their portfolio in real estate, if not much more. Love it. Love it. So when we talked about, you know, I want to bring this full circle, you, you, you know, 
being a practitioner, boots on the ground, learning lessons, running your experiments from beginning to end. We've all learned, obviously, not all of us have, uh, I should say, not all experiments have been completed from beginning to end. Uh, we've, I think we've learned our lessons in, in being able to execute, execute them uh, through and through. Uh, however, based on, you know, you're the host of the Investor Mindset podcast, uh, you know, what would you say is a, as a, a, I'm never going to be the guy to say, what is the one thing? I think that's bullshit. There's, there's too many things that, that take place when it comes to building a foundation. But I, I do believe that there's often a common denominator that, that I think you and I have been exposed to. I'd be curious to see what you think is, is a common denominator. And maybe there's multiple common denominators that you've come across with the you know the, the over hundreds of hundreds of, of folks that you've had on your platform, respectable figures, uh, you know we talked about this Chris Voss, you know Mark Manson, all those guys who are, sometimes we really see as leaders in our in, in, in the in the in the space in, in multiple spaces. What what is that common denominator that you think you've come across? What I want people to understand is that you know any one of these success principles that we've talked about will totally change your life. If you just focus on one of them, it'll be a game changer. So I really encourage you to grab the resource. It's 20 page uh, training investormindset.com slash success. But one of the most important ones that I found that have completely changed my life was the importance of having great mentors, great coaches, and great partners. Really, it all comes down to the most successful people. They've got great advisors around them. Billionaires aren't doing their own taxes. Millionaires aren't negotiating legal contracts uh, without a great attorney on their team. And they all have high performance coaches and personal trainers, nutritionists, and great doctors that are all around them, helping them perform and operate at the highest level. It's important. It's critical. It's a must. Just like you're building your business, you need to be hiring the right people to execute and do the right things. You need to put yourself in the right rooms with the right people who are thinking at a higher level that can pull you up to be able to operate at the highest level. You know, a great example of this is, you know, Michael Jordan is famous for having seven or more coaches at any given time during his career. We all know his main coach, you know, Phil, the head coach of the team. Phil was not the best player on the team. He was not the person who was going to go slam dunk. He's not even a basketball player per se but he's a phenomenal coach. He knew how to pull the most out of people and how to make that team work best together. And a great mentor is someone who's already been down the path. That's the Michael Jordan. That's whose footsteps you're going to follow in and model exactly what they do. These are two different people, right? A coach is going to help you get the most out of yourself. And a mentor is someone who you're going to follow in their footsteps. I mentor people in real estate. People follow my footsteps when it comes to passive investing. People follow my footsteps when it comes to building a great business, when it comes to creating a top 200 podcast, when it, when it comes to doing anything um, that has to do with marketing, right? People are coming, they're learning, they're excited. But when it comes to coaching, I don't need to have done any of those things to be able to help people move to the next level. And so this is why it's so critical that I encourage you to go find a great mastermind to pay to play. You got to pay to play, whether it's a coach, whether it's a mentor, or whether you're putting yourself in a room, an event, you got to think about that ticket, that entry ticket as really a filtering mechanism. It filters out all the other people that aren't willing to do it. That doesn't mean you just want to pay to play to be in every single room because not every room is equal. 
But when you can go and find the right mentors and you're working with those mentors and they're telling you where they're hanging out. And then you go to those places and you find out where those people who your mentors are learning from are hanging out and you keep working your way up that ladder. It's going to end up completely changing your life because now you go from this blue collar mindset to a billionaire mindset. Now you might not be a billionaire, but if you start thinking like one, you'll start actually having some of that stuff happen in your life. And at the core of everything we've talked about today, it all comes down to mindset. You got to lay strategy on top of a good foundation. That means first, you really got to understand what are those thoughts and beliefs that are holding you back. And so I hope that this is helpful. I hope that it was somewhat inspiring. And most importantly, I hope you do something with it. So ask yourself the question, what's one thing that I can take away from today's conversation that I can go implement directly in my life and my business? Because just one thing is going to make a huge difference, let alone the countless different opportunities of different strategies and things we've talked about today. Mm. Gotta lay strategy on top of a strong foundation. Golly, bring it home, man. I mean, this is, this has been incredible, man. I, I definitely want to take a second to, again, uh, you know, give your kudos. Cause I know that, uh, you know, it's one thing to, to talk the talk, but it's another thing to walk the walk and you're here because you walk the walk. Right. And that's, that's who we have in our lab. And I want to just salute you uh, right back at you for that. Uh, and with that said, I, I mean, uh, you, you you guys heard it before. I want to give the plug away. You know, the investormindset.com forward slash success. Uh, make sure you go ahead and go and grab the, the five universal success principles. I mean, I mean, if this wasn't a little a, a, a planting of the seed uh, for you to uh, impl- implement your experiments, I don't know what is. I think you really uh, have an, an effective way. Of, of putting information together and it's very organized. So, so I appreciate you for that, my man, where else can the people find you uh, and, and stay in touch to see how you're implementing your experiments and maybe if they even want to be a part of it. Yeah. You're listening to a podcast right now. I encourage you to go click over, subscribe to the investor mindset show and start diving in. We've got great lessons on personal development and growth and passive investing and active investing every single week. And then I encourage you to jump over to Instagram at steven.pesavento. We're dropping great content, inspirational materials every single day, sometimes twice a day. And uh, shoot me a DM. Let me know that you listen to us here and uh, look forward to serving you guys along the way. Absolutely. We appreciate you for stepping to the lab, brother. And just like that, we are out. If you're a real estate professional, a real estate agent, a real estate investor, a lender, a multifamily syndicator, a contractor, you name it, and you're looking to grow your online presence, but you have no idea how to get started or simply don't have the time, at Invested Talent, we help real estate professionals extend their current business to social media. Why is this important? Without this, you wouldn't be listening to this show, and your own host, Ruben Kanya, and his team would not have done deals they've done today. As a matter of fact, Social media has helped us keep this show together, which now exceeds a billion dollars worth of real estate from our guests collectively. That's right. Our reputation, opportunities, partnerships, and most importantly, real estate transactions were started directly from social media. If you're a real estate professional and you lack an existence on a media platform, Invested Talent can help. Simply go to investedtalent.com forward slash social media and make sure you click the get in touch button to get in touch with our team. Again, that's investedtalent.com forward slash social media and get in touch with our team. 
You focus on being the brand and we'll help you build it. Now, if you know anything about the lab, you know that we like to give practical advice. So if you feel that this podcast was of any value to you, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes by going directly to the podcast app. From the show's page, scroll all the way down and leave us a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment. Lastly, and most importantly, share this episode with a friend you feel will benefit this episode the most. Remember, there's a you and I in build. Let's build, y'all.